Welcome to New Life, everybody. Happy Easter to you. Great to see all you guys. Wow, that is fantastic. Hey, I want to say a big hello and happy Easter to our New Life family that's out in North Platte right now. Anybody want to help me to say happy Easter to those guys? Come on. Yeah. Man, we love you guys. And we're expecting God to have done great things in our 9 o'clock service. Uh, we had a 9 o'clock service here in our main auditorium. We had 9 o'clock out at North Platte. We had 9 o'clock down in the venue. want to say hello to all those that are worshiping with us down in the venue right now. So we are one church, multiple locations. You're sitting in one of three of our locations and in one of six worship services that we're having today on Easter to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> It is awesome. Awesome. So thank you. Uh, man, if you are, uh, you know, a regular here at, uh, at New Life, man, we thank you for coming out. If you are a guest with us, you could have picked any church in North Platte or in Kearney to go to, and you came here to New Life. I want to say thank you so much. Um, it's, uh, it's a privilege to have you with us. Thank you. It's a privilege to have you with us. Um, listen, uh, my name is uh, Jeff. I get, a, I get the chance to be the lead pastor uh, here at New Life. I normally don't introduce myself with my title because we have an incredible group of pastors uh, that serve in all three of our locations. And these guys are the guys and gals that really get the work done. And I am so appreciative to be able to serve on a team like that. I really do consider myself just to be one of, um, of an incredible team. And so thank you guys for coming out today. Um, as you guys know, this is Easter. It's the biggest day in Christianity. Just say biggest day. It's the biggest day. So listen, I know it sounds weird, but it's bigger than the birth of Jesus. Okay? The resurrection is bigger than the birth. You might say, well, hold on, Jeff, time out. I don't think that you've got it all figured out. Because if you don't have a birth, you don't get to have a resurrection. I know. I got that. I am a 46-year-old, almost grown man. So... I purposely made my voice break. I, I, I do have a man's voice. Okay, so... I got that. But listen, if Jesus is just born, right, and that's it, Christianity is worthless. So this day is bigger than his birth. This day is bigger than the miracles that he did. Yeah, walking on water, greater than that. You know, healing people, um, setting people free, greater than all of those things. Even greater than his death on the cross. That's right. Even greater than his death on the cross. Because let's say that Jesus was just a good prophet and he dies on the cross and you can go and you can still find his bones. I'm going to say to you, you and me are wasting our time today then. We'd be wasting our time today. If that's what Jesus did, if all he did was die on a cross and you can go dig up his bones someplace, Christianity is worthless. That's why today is the greatest day. Because our Lord has risen. That's what makes this day so good. He's alive. He's not dead someplace. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives Christianity its power. It's the resurrection of Jesus that, you know, causes me to do what I do today. Right? I serve a risen Savior. I serve a risen Savior, and so can you today. So why did Jesus then even have to come? Right? If God created all of this, if God created the heavens and the earth, and he created you and me, why did Jesus really even have to come? And I would argue that Jesus had to come because you and me, humanity, we were lost 
and we couldn't find our way home. Yeah, home. You might go, what what in the world do you mean? We're lost, we couldn't find our way home. See, you're not destined just to end your life on this earth. This earth is not your eternal home. This is a temporary home. This is a place where we have an opportunity and we, we do life and we figure out what it means to surrender our life to God and so that God becomes our, the center of everything. And I know that many of you, you wrestle with that concept today. You, you wrestle with, you know, this being your home. I'm telling you today, heaven is your home. Heaven is your home and that's why Jesus gave his life on the cross and rose again from the grave. Heaven's your home. Why did Jesus have to come? Because we were lost and we couldn't find our way home. Jose um, Salvador, um, and his last name is Alvaringa. Jose Salvador Alvaringa. Anybody ever heard of this guy? You know, he was discovered, he was discovered crawling on an island in the Marshall Islands, which are about 6,500 miles off the west coast of, of Mexico. He had been missing for 438 days, 14 months, he had been adrift at sea because he was off the, the shore fishing of Mexico in uh, November of 2012. And a storm came up and it pushed him farther out to sea. His motor broke on him. Um, he was taking on water as he was in this fishing vessel, this smaller fishing vessel, like the length of two pickup trucks and about the width of one pickup truck. And Jose is out there with another buddy until the other buddy gets sick because they're trying to catch fish with their hands. They don't, they, they end up throwing everything overboard because the storm is so violent and the, and you know, the waves are so incredible that they end up tossing everything overboard to try to make the, the vessel as buoyant as possible. They don't have anything to fish with. They're fishing with their literal hands. They're catching birds and turtles and fish and they're eating things that are raw. His buddy gets sick and his buddy dies and he's stuck at sea. He's lost. Everybody thinks he's died. Right? He's out there and he's completely lost. No way to get home. No way to get home. And very much like Jose, we're, we're like, we're like him. You know, we're lost in this world, trying to find our way home, but we're just adrift in life. And we're in need of a spiritual compass. We're in need of something that is going to help us figure out what direction we go. Because you know, the worst thing about being lost is, You can run in any direction, but you never know if it's actually taking you to the solution. Then when you're lost, many times people panic. And when they panic, they end up running the very opposite direction that they could have gone. If if Jose just would have had like an actual compass, if he would have had an actual compass with a magnetic needle that would point towards north, Jose would have been able to say, that way, that way is east. That's the way back to the country that I just got lost from. At least he would know that's the direction. But Jose was out at sea and he had nothing. His cell phone battery ran out. His GPS unit was soaked with water. The guy had nothing. He had no compass. That's why we're like him. Because we are lost in sin and we have no way to figure out how to get out of it. We're in need of a compass. A compass like this. You know how a compass works? Hold a compass in your hand, right? The magnetic needle will point towards north. So um, right now, wherever you're at, I just want you to point in the direction that you think north is. Right now. Ready? One, two, three, no matter where you are. Some of you cheated off of others, at least in the main auditorium. 
at least in the main auditorium. All right, so if you're, uh, watch, watch this. This, this is going to actually probably, you know, freak some people out. But if you're in North Platte and you're watching me right now on the screen, then North is going to be continuing to kind of stare through the screen off in a direction. If you're here in this auditorium, North is, at, yeah, it's right. It's going to be off in that direction. So that's, that's where North is. Now, once you know where North is and you know where your cardinal directions are, meaning you know where East is, you know where West is, if you can remember that, right? Some of you are going to have a hard time. I got, I can figure this out right now. But at least you know where South is. South is what? Opposite direction of North. Okay, very good. I applaud you. You guys are getting this all figured out. So a compass, what it allows you to do is figure out where north is, then you can figure out where your other cardinal directions are. And if you have a general idea of where you're at, Jose would have known he's floating out at sea, east would be back where he needs to be, if he can figure out where north is, then here's the deal, you can start to find your way out. But if you have a map and a compass, and you can find a landmark, now you're no longer lost. Now you're actually found. And see, when you're found, when you, have a, when you have the right spiritual compass at work within you and you're found, now you can discover great things about God. Just like Christopher Columbus in 1492, who used the compass with the magnetic needle, who discovered North America and then made his way back to Spain again. That kind of discovery happens when you've got the right compass working on your behalf. You and me need the right spiritual compass because I'm going to tell you today, all of us, including Jeff Baker, have been lost if we're not lost right now. Because the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 3. It says, for everyone has sinned. We, we're all lost. And, we, and we all have sinned. We all fall short. We're all lost of God's glorious standard. Take a look at this. What does it mean? Everyone's lost. We've all fallen short. We've, we've failed. We're, we're lost in the soup of sin. We're adrift in the life of sin, and we don't know which way to go. Where are we trying to get? We're trying to get to God's glorious standard. What does that even mean? That means we're lost in sin, and it has separated us from God's presence. God's presence. That's where God's trying to get us. God's trying to get us into relationship with him, into into a, a presence with him, a closeness with him. So... You know, how, how do you know if you're, if you're lost in the, at, the, at, the, at the sea of life? How do you know if you're just drifting out there? How, how would you even know that? Because this is the problem. Well, you would know it because you would have to look at your life and you have to say, I don't even know what my purpose is. You're drifting. You're drifting. I haven't sensed real true peace and joy. I, I've, I've sensed happiness and I've sensed some levels of satisfaction, but... You know, there's really, I don't have real peace and real joy. You're drifting. I recognize my heart is growing colder and I'm not as, as loving as I was, as gentle as I was. You're, you're starting to drift. You're out there and you're drifting. You're in need of a savior. You're in need of a compass. You're in need of Jesus to become your compass and for him to take the magnetic needle of his heart and point you in the right direction in which you and me should run. Because God doesn't want us to be lost. God actually wants us to find him and he wants us to spend time with him in his presence. God doesn't want humanity to be lost. That's why God sent his son even while we were sinners. Take a look at what Romans says about that. God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? While we were still lost. That's right. Do you realize that? That 
even when you and me, and maybe some of you today, you feel this way, you're, you're kind of like, man, I'm, I'm lost. I'm the sinner. Did you realize that even while you were lost, God sent his son for you? Did you realize he didn't give up on you? You think after Jose had been adrift at sea for, you know, 12 months, a year, you think maybe some family members probably gave up on the fact that he was ever coming back? You better believe it. I want you to know today, it doesn't matter how long you've been at drift at the sea of life, God hasn't given up on you. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross and to give his life. You know, while we were lost, Christ died for us so that Jesus could become our spiritual compass and lead us back to life. It was a great gift and it was given by God's great love. God's great love is compassion. It's compassion. And and God's compassion for our lost condition is what caused him to send Jesus to us. That's what's in God's heart. The great love of God, the compassion of God sent Jesus. But I want you to notice something about the word compassion. What's the first significant word in the entire word compassion? What is it? It's the compass. It's the compass. See, the compass of God's heart. There's a compass in God's heart. The compass of God's heart is holy compassion. And that holy compassion is driven and led toward you. The holy compassion of God who sent Jesus to die on a cross and rose him again from the grave so that the compassion of Christ could be fully completed is a compass in God's heart that's directing all of his effort and all of his energy and all of his strength and all of his power and all of his resources toward you. Now, you aren't the center of the universe. God's the center of the universe. The God, God so desperately wants relationship with you that the compass of his heart is holy compassion. And it's displayed on a day like today by celebrating the risen Savior, Jesus. God's compassion wasn't sent just to meet our physical needs on this earth, although God cares about our physical needs. God's compassion, true compassion, was also and primarily for our eternal gain. It's one thing to live hungry on this earth. It's another thing to spend eternity away from God in hell. Would you say? Big difference. It's one thing to go thirsty on this earth. It's another thing to be thirsty for a drink of water and eternity away from God in hell. God cares more about the eternity and he wants your eternity to be spent with him. Now in the meanwhile, God cares desperately about your practical needs. As, as well as God cares about the practical needs of all of those that are on earth today. He cares about them. God's great love. That's why you see and you hear you know, Christians quoting John 3.16. It is a cornerstone scripture of our understanding of God. Read it with me, would you please? Everybody, in, uh, in North Platte, down in the venue, read it with me. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? See, God's incredible compassion was shown by giving us Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus can become your compass. God doesn't want us to perish. God doesn't want us to be lost. But he goes, listen, I can't just come and rescue you. Right? You're going to have to declare, I'm lost and I need you. You know one of the things that Jose 
Jose said in his story as I read it. Jose said, you know what, every once in a while, you know, I don't know, he goes, I lost track of time, so I can't really tell you how many and how often, but 10 to 20 large shipping vessels came close to me, close enough that I could hear their boat motor, close enough that I could see them in the distance. And he goes, every time it gave me hope, and every time, even though they never saw me and they never heard me, I stood up in the boat and I waved my hands and I said, hey, I'm lost over here. Hey, I'm in need of help over here. And he jumped up and down and he would wave clothing and he would do everything he could to try to get what? Saved. Because Jose knew he was lost and he was in need of a savior. You know, the big question today for you is this. Are you lost? And are you in need of Jesus to be your compass? To lead you back to life? Jesus says, this about himself. He goes, I am the way. I am the spiritual compass. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man finds his way out of darkness. No man finds his way into eternity with God unless that man or woman comes through me. Unless I become their guide, I become their spiritual compass, and I can lead them to God. There is no other way you're going to get there. The big question is, are you lost? Are you lost? Because if you're lost today, there should be something on the inside of you that's going off, just like Jose did when he's out there on the boat at drift in the Pacific Ocean, you know, thousands of miles away from Mexico, not even knowing where he's at. I guarantee you when the boat came by, he did everything he could to try to get his attention. Today, if you're lost, are you trying to get God's attention? God, hey, I need you. Hey, pastor guy, guy, hey, stop the sermon right now, man. I need Jesus. I'm lost. I'm lost. I see the problem. The problem with life is this. You don't think you're lost. The problem with life is that you think you're right in the perfect spot. Jose, he knew he wasn't in the perfect spot. I mean, he, he dwindled down to skin and bones. His organs were shutting down. He had so many parasites living in him from eating raw, you know, seabirds and drinking turtle blood and early on drinking his own urine to try to stay alive until it rained. He was decaying on the inside. He knew without a shadow of a doubt, I'm lost. Today, are you lost? And are you willing to say, I need to be found? Because if you are, Jesus wants to become your spiritual compass. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to admit it. You're going to have to come to a point where you say, Jesus... I, I need you. You died on a cross for me. You rose again from the grave so that you might be, what? My spiritual compass. So that you could lead me to life. And at the end of our service today, in all three of our auditoriums, our campus pastors are going to give you an opportunity today to literally say that to God. I'm lost and I need you. What I want you to be doing is this. I want you to be thinking throughout the rest of this sermon today, am I lost? Am I like Jose? Am I lost? Drift at the sea of life. And do, do I need a savior? And if Jesus came anywhere close to you, would you be waving your arms and shouting, going, I need you. I need you. I want to spend eternity with you. See, if Jesus lives in you, it's not just for eternity, though. It's for something 
that's powerful even on this earth. Yeah, when, when we surrender our life to Christ, he comes in. Yes, he becomes our spiritual compass that leads us to Christ, leads us to God. But he also becomes our spiritual compass that leads us to the needs of others. Right? That's what Jesus wants to do. So if Jesus truly lives in you and me, it should drive us. It should almost compel us to share the same compassion that God shared with us. To share that compassion with others. To share it to meet physical needs but also to meet the spiritual needs of others. I would say to you and I would argue that one of the ways that you can know whether a person is a Christian or not is by their compassion that they show toward others. The true compassion. True compassion that desires to meet physical needs but also wants to meet the spiritual need of a person to see somebody come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. I'm going to be leading a missions trip actually in July to El Salvador where Jose actually comes from. And... I don't, I don't know the guy, by the way. Maybe if we meet him, it could be a crazy cool story, right, to hear about this guy. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but I'm going to lead this trip down in July. We're going to go down there, and I'm going to lead it. I can only take about a dozen people. Uh, I've already have a few people that are signed up and secured. They're locked in. i got a few spots open. If, you would, if you've never gone on a missions trip outside the country, I would love to take you because what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in the very essence of what we're talking about today. I'm going to help Jesus become a greater compass spiritually in your life to lead and direct you, and I'm going to help you follow the spiritual compass of Christ to deal with, minister to, and meet the practical and spiritual needs of others by sharing compassion with them through the compassion that was shown to us by Jesus' death and his resurrection on the cross. If you want to go, you need to go to mynewlifechurch.com where you can get signed up. Click on Connect and then Missions Trips. You'll find it, and you can fill out an application there. Why? Because our world is hurting. Our world is desperate. It's, des- it's, it's got c- crazy needs all over the place. And it's a need of Christ-centered Christians who have understood and have accepted and have surrendered their life to the compassion of Christ shared on the cross and the resurrection and going and sharing that, lavishing, uh, lavishing it upon the world, letting the world know that Jesus is still alive by our love that we show toward one another. Because there's incredible needs on our planet. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you know, in, in the area of hunger, as an example, 795 million people don't have enough food to live an active lifestyle, healthy, active lifestyle, to be able to actually do things that need to be done on an average daily basis. 795 million of them, and there's a number of them that live in Kearney, and they live in North Platte. We have people that are hungry in our own communities. We have children that go home to cupboards that hardly have anything in them. They don't know what's going to happen. We have families that live meal to meal, wondering where their next meal is going to come from. Right? This is happening all around the world. It happens, it happens in smaller amounts here in Kearney and in Nebraska um, and in North Platte, but it's happening around the world. Hunger is causing malnutrition, which is leading to death. Hunger, it hinders school children from their ability to learn. Hunger, it steals, right? It steals the strength to work and to be able to provide for a family. Hunger is debilitating. And as Christians, we need to be bursting with compassion to figure out how we can love people that are in a state of hunger by taking the same compassion God's shown to us and feeding them, feeding them with physical food and feeding them with spiritual food. All right? That's the kind of church God's called us to be. But that's not the only way that people are struggling today. That's not the only area that they're suffering. It's not the only place that compassion is needed. We also have a water crisis. 
663 million people lack safe drinking water. That's twice the population of the United States of America. Twice the population today lack the ability to get and have access to clean drinking water. Did anybody have a drink of anything today? Right. Twice America's population can't get their hands on it. 2.4 billion people. It might sound disgusting, but 2.4 billion people, one third of the entire population on planet Earth has no access to a toilet. I have three of them in my house. So when you don't have clean water and you don't have access to a toilet, somewhere along the lines, all this kind of stuff just melts together. And that's why we have every 90 seconds on planet Earth, a child dies of some kind of water-borne disease. Every 90 seconds, while I've been talking about water, some kid died in the arms of their mom because they had no access to those types of things. And Jesus is asking us, what will you do, church? How will you take my compassion that I've shown to you? Will you just keep it to yourself? Will you just play it safe? Will you reject it and pretend like you're not lost, drifting at sea? Or will you accept my compassion and surrender to my compassion so I can start using you in a powerful way, not just to put clean water in their mouth and a toilet in their house, but that they might have eternal life. Eternal life. And then you've got the human trafficking issue where 27 million people are slaves today on planet Earth. They're working for somebody for pennies on the dollar, being used and abused, or they're involved in the sex slave trading. It's the second largest criminal industry on the world, and only 2% of people that ever are caught in human trafficking ever find freedom from it. Around the world, 27 million people are caught in it. Unlike drugs, you can sell people over and over again. That's what makes it so lucrative. And if you've got someone caught in sex slavery, just think what you could do in selling that person over and over, multiple times every single day. And this is the kind of stuff that's happening on planet Earth. And Jesus is asking us, will you have compassion for those who are hurting? And will you figure out a way to help starting to meet some of those kind of incredible needs? And then you've got homelessness. Homelessness seems as if by itself it's almost daunting to overcome. And the numbers on homelessness are way less compared to everything else I just shared with you. 565,000 people in America are considered to be homeless. 100 million people in the world are considered to be homeless. And 1.6 billion people are claimed to lack any type of adequate housing. A couple of years ago, led a missions team over to the Philippines after the tsunami hit there. And one of the things we did was we helped to rebuild the church that was destroyed by the tsunami so that the church can be the life-giving solution to the community. But you know what, you know what I did and what a few of us did? We actually went over to, a, to um, a guy who attends the church who is one of the lay leaders in the church. He works a, a regular job just like you do. And we, we built his house that got destroyed by the tsunami. Yeah. And you know what? It was, it was a lot of fun building his house. Why did we build his house? We built his house so that life-giving Christians could stay in the community and continue to love others and show them compassion in their greatest time of need. Build the church, build the people. Meet the practical needs, meet the spiritual needs. That's what God's called us to do. And on our earth today, one last thing, if I can just speak about it for a moment. One last thing, this refugee crisis that's happening in Syria, it is the worst 
displacement of people that we've seen on planet Earth since World War II. We've got 4.6 million Syrian refugees that are displaced and they're refugees living outside of their country, right? And they're in places that they're trying to find hope, they're trying to find family, they're trying to find relief. You got 6.6 million Syrian refugees are Syrian people that are caught up in the crisis, excuse me, because they're displaced inside their own country. They can't live in their town because it's war-torn. They didn't ask for it. They didn't, you know, try to start it. They're just caught in the middle of it, right? They're living with, you know, in tents. They're, they're living out, you know, in communities. They're living with other family members that is just overran. They're living in a war-torn country. You've got about 12 million people caught up in this displacement. It is a massive issue that's happening on planet Earth today. And they're trying to escape it only to find no one else wants them. No one else wants them. Yeah, I got it because some terrorists are coming along with them and they're manipulating the system. I got it. But they didn't ask for it. Right? And God is looking at us. Jesus is looking at the church and he's going, what are you going to do about it? Because Jesus has compassion for the refugee. Let's never forget, Jesus was born at a, at a, at a horrible moment in history. He was born at a tormented moment. He was born at a moment where a king was trying to eradicate every child that was of age that could ever try to tear him, tear him down and take down and strike down his kingship. Jesus is born in this moment where Romans have occupied Jerusalem and they can't even run their own communities and their own cities. And in that moment, Mary and Joseph pack up Jesus and they go to Egypt and Jesus becomes a refugee. And they nurture him, and they love him, and then they bring him back, and the refugee Jesus becomes the Lord and the Savior. Jesus has compassion for the refugee, and he's asking you and me, what will we do about these kinds of issues that are happening around the world today? So what I want you to do is I want you to sit back for a moment, and I want you to hear about something that's been going on for the last six years of our lives, this Syrian refugee issue. And let's figure out from our hearts, compassion-wise, what in the world can we do about it? Would you please watch this video from the perspective of a child? Check it out.
كنت فكر غير فيها إني يعني نرجع عصرية ساعدني لحتى أدفن أبوي مرضى أبوي ما فيه يشتغل ولا أنا بروح أشتغل أنا أبوي بروح أشتغل بيع محال بيع محال وأوبس وحالنا كلام كثير سيء تلعب روح على المدرسة سوريا كنت بروح على المدرسة شو ما كان And so Jesus says these words to us in Matthew 25. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, Jesus, when did we, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Right? Or thirsty and give you something to drink. I mean, Jesus, or, or you, were, you were never a stranger and to show you hospitality. We never did these things. Or naked and, and give you clothing. When did we ever see you that way? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, Jesus, will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus. Gave his life and rose again so that you and me might experience the ultimate climax of compassion that comes from the heart of God. The compass of of God living inside of us, directing us to life. He cares about people. The Christ in our Christianity, it should act as a compass. As a compass that leads us to acts of compassion for those who are suffering in the world. I would say to you. I would proclaim to you today that Jesus rose from the grave to become your spiritual compass and that Jesus rose from the grave to complete the compassion in God's heart for us. And now it is our turn. Now it's our turn to act. In a moment of worship, what in the world are we going to do about the needs that are happening around us? What are we going to do with the amazing blessing that God has given us? And I would say to you, follow the advice of 1 John when he says this, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love actually be in that person? You and me. We can't meet all the needs. We can't. I don't even think we should feel the pressure to try to meet all of the needs we talked about today. But we've got to do something. We can't just sit by idly and hear news report after news report, hear sermon after sermon, watch video after video, and just keep living our lives the same. If the greatest compassion ever shown to humanity lives inside of us, what is he wanting to do through us? What's he wanting to do? Cares about the spiritual needs of your neighbors? Cares about the spiritual needs of your coworkers? cares about the physical needs of those that are hungry today. cares about the spiritual need of those who are hungry today. God loves people. And if the love of God is inside of us, the love of God should be shining through us to meet those needs. So what we want to do is we want to help this church in, Car- in Kearney and in North Platte 
and down in the venue to meet one of those needs today. We want to help meet the need of hunger. And we want to specifically help meet the need of hunger with starving children. Here's how it's going to work. We encouraged our congregation last week and the weeks before that to set aside one day this past week to work one day and to give their wages away to one day to feed the world. It's a movement by a ministry called Convoy of Hope that helps feed children through churches, feed children in schools so that they're meeting their physical needs, but they also care deeply about and are strategic about meeting their spiritual needs as well. And they're feeding hundreds of thousands of children every single day to take care of those needs. So we encourage our congregation, just work one day and give 100% of what you make that day to help feed starving children. And so many of them have come today in North Platte and in Carney to give that offering. We said to them, though, if you can't give 100%, then give 50%. Give $20. Give whatever you can and let's help meet these practical needs of others while we meet the spiritual need. True compassion. Not just hearing about it, not just receiving it, not just sitting here in, you know, in Nebraska celebrating the risen Savior, but actually doing something with it. It's going to feel great. It's one thing to receive compassion from God. It's a whole nother thing to give compassion to others. It's, gonna, it's an awesome feeling. So today in the bulletin, you were given an, an envelope. You can just take that envelope out, actually, because every single person that's here today can participate. So you didn't have to work one day last week to participate. You can actually be a part of it. And this is what I want to hear all, this is what I want all of our guests to hear today. This will probably, this will be our largest offering of the day. Our largest offering of the day will not come in our normal tithing offering that was earlier for people that typically attend New Life. This will be our largest offering today. That's going to happen right now. And I want you to know something. We're not keeping a dime of it. We're actually putting money with it and we're sending it away to meet these practical needs one day to feed the world. So I want you to understand how you being a part of this can actually make a difference. And so I have a video that I want to show you about one day to feed the world and I want to help you understand how your giving can actually transform someone else's life. Would you please check out this video? Convoy of Hope is a faith-based organization that brings the love of Jesus to those who are impoverished and suffering. One Day to Feed the World is your way to bring all of that to those we help. So, how can you take part? It's simple. Give one day's wage through One Day to Feed the World. One Day transform my everyday. Sometimes I go to bed, I have no food in my stomach. If I don't have enough food, I, I can concentrate in my studying and I can understand what my teacher is saying to me. Thank you, because the food that they give to us will, will not be will not be wasted.
this November. I'm in college. I'm taking up hotel and restaurant services. By God's grace, uh, we have our food now. I'm so grateful and I will be forever grateful that Convoy of Hope is uh, as a sponsor of our church for me to continue my study and have my meal. <laughs> Sometimes before, I'm thinking that we're the, the most <laughs> poor people in the world. But as I'm uh, looking around uh, here at our community, I saw a lot of people, they were more poor than us. Something hard now um, for my future. And someday, I promise to myself I'm going to help them, help, help my community here, our community in our church. That, and I will, I will someday become the sponsor of our church. Like you guys, so thankful. <laughs> So today, you all get a chance to participate in not just hearing about the compassion of Christ's resurrection, that we get to now have relationship with God, but to actually participate in, in God's compassion, extending his love to others. So today, if, if you came prepared to give, then please use that offering envelope. If you didn't, then please know this. If you just open your smartphone up and if you'll you know, tap in in you know, Safari or whatever phone you've got, whatever search engine you have, mynewlifechurch.com, then you can just scroll down until you click the button, give online. You can select the fund one day and you can give online right now, like Kim and I did. You know, we gave, we gave one day's wages earlier this morning online to be a part of this so that we could participate in feeding starving children around the world because we wanted to be a part of extending God's compassion. We want to be a part of the answer. We don't want to just be a receiver. We want to be a giver, right? And so today's your opportunity. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Um, but before I pray, at the end of your row... Right to my right and your left, in all of the rows and all of our auditoriums, there's a there's a paper bag. I was asked the person at the end of that row if you would just take that paper bag and you would open it up, right? And you open it up and you hang on to it. Do not move it at all. I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to pass those bags down the rows, and then the usher will be there to collect the offering at the end of the row. So please, while I pray, would you consider how God may want you to participate and be a part of this one day to feed the world? massive show of compassion here at New Life Church on Easter Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you've given us the, the, uh, the freedom to have a relationship with you, that we live in a country of freedom, we live in a country of blessing, we live in an opportunity to be able to bless others and to share compassion with others. Lord, we don't want to be a people that just are receivers, but we want to be people that are givers. We don't want to just stand around in the church on an Easter and celebrate the risen Savior Jesus and then go, nothing, and go do nothing with it. Lord, we want to be a part of extending your compassion to physical needs and meeting those spiritual needs because, God, that's what you care about. You care about true compassion, changing people's lives for eternity.
eternity. We want to do the very same thing. Lord, sometimes we have to get to that place through feeding or giving them water or whatever it is. Today, God, we're focusing on feeding the hungry. I pray, God, that you would put it in the hearts of every single person that hears my voice to participate in one way or in another. And Lord, we'll celebrate at the end of this service with the total of what that giving really looks like in all three of our locations. And it will be an exciting opportunity to know that how we teamed up with you to meet such practical needs through the compassion of a risen Savior, Jesus, who has become our spiritual compass living inside of us, leading us and guiding us in the love of the Father. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.